Good morning, everybody. Just want to welcome all our guests. It's a special Lord's Day, and uh, Jesus said this: If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What an exciting thing to see three people commit to following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And baptism is one of two ordinances that's been given by Jesus Christ for the local church to observe. And in Matthew 28, 19, while Jesus is given the great commission to go make disciples, Jesus is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And baptism is similar, perhaps, to a wedding ceremony. Baptism is about commitment. Baptism is about commitment. It's a one-time ceremony where God ordained a symbol of commitment, a picture of commitment. And today we have three people declare to Christ and to the local church publicly about the relational commitment to Christ as their Lord and Savior. They also affirm that Jesus Christ is committed to them as their Lord and Savior. They also uh, declared publicly that they are committed to the local church here at Evergreen to participate in discipleship. And as a church family, we are able to witness this to come alongside these three, to walk alongside these three to disciple them. They're not alone in this. You see, Christianity is a group effort. This is a, they just joined publicly, they joined the family of God here at Evergreen Church. And Christ has designed discipleship primarily, not exclusively, but primarily to take place in the local church. Discipleship, this is what we're called to be about. And by being baptized here, they're declaring their commitment to discipleship here at Evergreen Church. And at Evergreen Church, we define discipleship as committing to intentional relationships that build Christ-likeness. Committing to intentional relationships that build Christ-likeness. And how do we develop intentional relationships that build Christ-likeness? Well, this is our ninth sermon in our Built for Discipleship series, but since we have so many guests, I thought it'd be appropriate to review what we've gone through. First of all, it starts with our foundation. Evergreen Church, we're about Christ. In no unclear terms, we are about Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus, upon this rock, upon the rock of who he is, Jesus is building his church. And out of this rock, out of this foundation, comes our central theme. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus Christ gives us the great commission to go make disciples. Discipleship is a central theme that weaves through everything that we do here at Evergreen. This is the common thread that goes through every single thing that we intentionally do at Evergreen Church. And out of discipleship, uh, our central theme of discipleship, we get the next tier of our discipleship essentials. Out of Acts 2.42, the early church devoted themselves to God's word, to fellowship of the saints, to commitment, and to prayer. We believe these four discipleship essentials are necessary to grow as a disciple. These are the necessary building blocks to be built up as a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. And the next tier, which we're on right now, are the discipleship church life. This is where these discipleship essentials of God's word, fellowship, commitment, and prayer are ministered. 
And in the four areas that we have in, in, in a formal sense, we've given, we, we, we focus in on four areas, which is the Lord's Day service, which we're part of right now, which is equipping opportunities to learn more about God through his word, through serving, and through life groups. And in these four areas of church life, this is where we formally offer discipleship opportunities, hoping that informal discipleship takes place interpersonally between us. And today we're focusing on serving, serving. We're going to be focusing on serving today in the local church. That's the the next portion of our discipleship church life at Evergreen. And so we'll be out of Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll continue on from last week's uh, portion of Scripture. We'll be focusing on Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. And as you're turning turning to Ephesians 4, a little bit of context Paul, the author who wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, gives a lot of metaphors for the church in Ephesians. He uses the kingdom of God, where Jesus Christ is the king, we're the the citizens, we're fellow citizens in his kingdom. He uses the temple of God as a metaphor for the church, where Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and each of us are building blocks, building up his temple. He uses the family of God, where we're adopted sons and daughters, of God. And we get to be part of his household. He uses marriage as a metaphor where Jesus Christ is the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. But today we're going to focus in on the body of Christ. The church is used oftentimes to be described as a body. That makes a lot of sense to me. Where Christ is the head. Jesus Christ is the head of the body and every one of us make us make up parts of his body. Okay, so we're, and in essence, we're one body with many members. And so we're going to read Ephesians 4. I'm going to back up to verse 11 to add a little bit more context and finish off at verse 16. So please rise, if you will, as we read God's word together. We do this to honor God's word. We do this to honor God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these symbols of commitment today through baptism. Father, we pray a special blessing upon these three that they would know of of your great commitment for them and they will be committed to you faithfully, Lord. Lord, I pray they would know that they are not alone, that the, the church family here at Evergreen is backing them and we're committed to them. And so, Father God, I pray that they will be committed to building a strong discipleship culture here at Evergreen Church. Father, we believe that your word is living and active 
and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we pray that your spirit empowers us to serve you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would empower the preaching of your word. We pray that your spirit will allow us to understand your son, Jesus Christ, more so that we will love him more. So thank you, Father. Help us to focus in right now on the preaching of your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is in the body building business. He's about building up his own body. And what does he mean by this? What does he mean by this? Well, he means that he's looking to fortify his church one brick, one body part at a time. And so today we're going to learn about how serving, how serving is a central part of how the Lord builds up his body. The three points that we will have this, uh, this sermon, just so you can follow along a little bit easier, is number one, we're going to learn about the main aim of bodybuilding, the main aim. Number two, we're going to learn about the means of bodybuilding. And thirdly, we're going to learn about the motivation of bodybuilding. Motivation. Bodybuilding. Right now, I am a part of a workout fellowship, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where some of us from our church here work out, a couple pastors, and, and so one of our members. And basically, we, we hold each other accountable to show up at the weight room, and we work out. And really, the, clear, the aim is very clear. We just want to, we're not trying to get to the NFL. We're not trying to uh, be Olympic athletes or anything like that. We just want to be healthy. We just want to make sure we maintain fitness and health so we can steward our bodies that God's given us. So in likewise fashion, it's important that we understand what the main aim or the goal of bodybuilding here is all about. So point number one, Christ-likeness is the main aim of bodybuilding. Christ-likeness is the main aim of bodybuilding. Verse 15 of Ephesians 4 says this, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We're called to become more like Christ, our head. And the passion of the church is Jesus Christ. That's why he's the foundation of our church. We love Christ. We're consumed by Christ. We're possessed by Christ. He's the one we want to become like. He's the one that we want to tell people about. He's the one we want to tell people to obey and to follow, no matter what the cost. And our goal is to become more like him. What does this mean? What does this mean to become more Christ-like? In essence, as Christians, if you consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, forsaking all others to follow Christ primarily in your life, you're acknowledging that you have a new head. You have a new head. And it starts with a head. And the head is the command center for the entire body. This is what this is saying here. Jesus Christ is our new head. All others who used to run us. It could be other people, other passions, other aims. Those are second, third, fourth, on down. Jesus Christ is our head. He is our commander-in-chief. Ephesians 4, 17, just if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians 4, just go down one verse. 
And this gives us a big idea of what we're talking about. Verse 17 through 19 talks about our old heads, our old minds. Verse 17, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles or the non-believers also walk in the futility of their minds. Non-believers have a futile mind. Verse 18 goes on to say they have darkened understandings. They are ignorant. They cannot understand spiritual things. Perhaps you're a non-believer here today. And you say, what are these guys talking about? What is baptism all about? I pray that the Spirit will illuminate your minds so that you will understand. Verse 19 says this, that non-believers, because they're calloused, have given themselves over, over to sensuality, whatever they want. This is the old mind that we put aside. This is the old mind. And verse 20 says this, Paul exhorts the Ephesians to remember what has happened to them. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Remember who Christ is. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. If you've sincerely accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, remember. We have a new mind. Verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, that you will lay aside the old self, put off your old, old mind, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust, with lust of deceit. And verse 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Remember that we have a new head. Paul is saying, functionally, we have put off our old minds and put on a new mind at conversion. But this is something we have to continually do. We have to deny the old mind and continue to look to and to yield to our new mind, our new head. Verse 24, and put on the new self, the Bible says, which, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Put on the new mind, the mind of Christ, the Bible is talking about. And this has functionally happened. Every single one of us who's, who's committed to following Christ as their Lord and Savior, has already, this has already happened positionally. But practically, we have to continue to put off the old self and put on the new. Put off the old self, put on the new. Because we're not in heaven yet. John MacArthur writes, that he put it very succinctly here. I thought this would be helpful for us to understand. When a person becomes a Christian, God initially renews his mind, giving it a completely new spiritual and moral capability, a capability that most brilliant and educated mind apart from Christ can never achieve. This renewal continues. See, this, this is a continual process. Baptism is just the beginning of a lifelong journey of following Christ. This renewal continues through the believer's life as he is or she is obedient to the word and, of, and the will of God. The process is not a one-time accomplishment. You see that, church? Although positionally, God sees us as new. Practically, while we're living on this earth, this is a journey. But the continual work of the Spirit in the child of God our resources are God's word and prayer. It is through these means that we gain the mind of Christ. And it is through that mind that we live the life of Christ. Our heads controls our bodies, period. 
And look what verse 25 of Ephesians 4 says, Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, we, de- de- we deny lies. Christians are about the truth. We speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. This is why we speak the truth to one another. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in love. In other words, we download Christ into our minds, all right? This is what we're talking about here. This is what Paul's talking about. We're downloading. We're erasing our old mind and downloading a new mind in Christ into our minds. And this is done by equipping the saints with the word. This is done through prayer. This is the work of the Holy Spirit where we are intellectually, we understand who Jesus Christ is. Christianity is a very reasonable uh, religion. We, it's very clear what the Bible is talking about. We could understand this. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that knowledge, that truth is transferred into our spirits, into our inner person. We're new people. The Bible is the living word of God. This is why we're committed to preaching this week after week. This is why we're committed to having ace classes and Sunday school teaching the Bible. We're called to operate under the head. We're in the new management So to be Christ-like means that we submit to the new head. That means we think like Christ, we speak like Christ. We therefore act like Christ. We put on the mind of Christ. And this is our number one aim here at Evergreen Church for, for Christians. We want to become more like Christ. This is what we're committed to. This is what, why we have discipleship as a central theme. And because... How we think absolutely leads to how we act. So point number two, serving. Serving is the means of bodybuilding. Before we even could even talk about serving, we need to get to the head. Because we don't want to be actively doing things without having the right mind on this. We need to have a right mind so that as we move out in life, we know why we're doing it. There's a lot of good things that we could be involved with, but but not Christian. So serving, now we're talking about serving. A little bit of context will help, I think. This this church in Ephesus, which is is in Asia Minor or Turkey, modern-day Turkey, had a diverse membership, different groups of people. This is the capital of Asia Minor. This was a significant city 2,000 years ago. This was a major trade port where all kinds of people from all around the world would come in for trade and for commerce, for the arts too, as one of the seventh wonders of the world existed there at one time. And the Christians made up in this congregation were, were made up of Jewish Christians and Gentiles or non-Jewish Christians. So ethnic diversity, cultural diversity was a big deal in this place, similar to our land today. There are many cultural and economic factors, social economic factors could have divided the church. And Paul was very intentional about making sure that this diverse group was unified. Let me read some things from here as I sample some things that are Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 
It says, he makes, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Verse 16, it might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. Ephesians 3, 6 6 says this, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Brother Baldwin just read out of Galatians 3, there's neither, let me back up here, verse 27, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, nor, nor, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see that? Diversity but unity. Paul was very intent on making sure a diverse group of Christians are unified, are unified. And in verse 16, going back to Ephesians 4, what does it say at the top? From whom, whom is talking about Christ the head, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. What did Jesus do in Ephesus? What is Jesus doing perhaps at Evergreen Church? He takes a diverse group of people men women jews gentiles rich and poor educated uneducated aristocrats day laborers blue collar people and brings them into one church he forms all these people and puts them into his body first corinthians 12:18 says god has placed every member into the body this is a work of god if you're part of evergreen church this is an act of god that you're here it's not an accident although you have to commit to it God is the one that brought you here. God is the one that's moved you in your heart to bring you here. God is the one that brought the members at Ephesus to the Ephesian church, Jew or Gentile. And Bible says he keeps us together by his power. It's not by our own might. It's not by our own will that we are together. It's by the power of Christ. Diverse members are placed together. And it says by what every joint supplies by what every joint supplies, the elbow, the elbow. I'm going along with Paul's analogy here, the, the joint, the elbow. Elbow is a, is a fascinating work of art by God. What happens at the elbow, brothers and sisters? At the elbow, the Lord has connected three major bones. At the elbow, God has attached 16 different muscles, 16 at the elbow, you have three different major nerves running down the elbow to work together. And all of it is held, all the muscles and bones are held by tendons and ligaments. This is how this works. And all the parts, all the diverse parts of the arm come together to work together. What an what a analogy or what a metaphor there. We understand this. So just like a human joint, Christ joins diverse members together. We, you don't want all the same type of people here. You want diversity here. This is a good thing. Different abilities and gifts, different backgrounds and cultures, different levels of training and experiences. You want this. You want this. Different age and life stages, men and women. You want this. Diversity. And we've been placed sovereignly through the providence of God 
to be in an interdependent relationship with one another. We need one another, in other words. Every member is crucial. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this pretty clearly. Let me take a few verses here and kind of explain what Paul's talking about. 1 Corinthians 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, one body, many body parts, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. Christ has one body, one head with one body. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. There it is, diversity again. Whether slaves or free, rich or poor. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Paul goes on to give this kind of this imaginary dialogue that takes place within the body where, where the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. That's ridiculous, Paul says. The ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Ridiculous. If Paul goes on to say, if the whole body were an eye, where would the, where would the hearing be? Exactly. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Every member of the church, the local church here at Evergreen is vital. Every member, every Christian who commits to following Christ here at Evergreen Church is vital, is critical. In verse 16, going back to Ephesians 4, goes on to say, according to, to the proper working of each individual part. Every member has been uniquely gifted and all members need to be properly functioning for us to be at optimal levels. It's all hands on deck, like as we said before. Every one of us needs to be serving. Remember, it starts with the head. If I just started off, let's serve, this would be something else. This is about the head, guys. This is about the head. It starts with the head, Jesus Christ. And all of us just uh, have been given a unique set of spiritual gifts. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, you have a gift and variety of gifts and shades of gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 give you uh, kind of a survey of these type of gifts, but I've chosen uh, 1 Peter 4. Chapter uh, 4, verse 10 and 11, to kind of give a summary of what Peter talks, uh, is able to summarize these gifts, I believe, into two separate categories. Verse 10, as each one of us has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. This is a command from the head. As good stewards, these, these gifts don't belong to us. We're just managers of these things that we've been given, of the manifold grace of God. By God's grace, you've been gifted these things. None of us earn these gifts. It's, gifts are given to us, meant to be given away. Gifts are not meant to bless us. It's meant to bless somebody else, one another in the local church. Verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of, of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Peter breaks it down to two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. Speaking gifts, preaching, teaching, sharing the gospel as an evangelist, exhorting, encouraging one another, speaking gifts. Serving gifts, gifts of mercy, compassion, maybe You've been gifted with some level of leadership 
through administration, perhaps, helps, generosity. Our church is a very generous church. Faith, prayer. But the point is this. All of us are called to use whatever we've been given to exercise them together with one another here at the church, at the local church level. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. I have a picture of this. This is exciting. Yesterday, uh, we had an exciting day here at Evergreen Church. We had various activities where we had, uh, we have a, a TL, uh, TLC going on. We had other things with Pastor Ron leading. Uh, I don't know what group we're going to call it, but we have a group being formed here. And uh, we used to call it the Harvesters, but I'm, I'm submitting to our leadership what they're going to call it, but something like that. We're, we're going to start forming more and more groups to care for one another. But also outside, we had 30-plus people show up for the Thanksgiving meal blessing where we have compiled meal kits to hand out to our local community here at the mobile park. This 30-plus group of people were made up of all age groups. All age groups. Experienced going knocking door-to-door to very nervous people I would see and and we're on mission together. And we all took turns knocking on the doors. It's your turn. You go up there and knock, the, knock on the door now. Right? So we're, we're doing this. And the reason why we're knocking on the doors is to, now I want to hand out a, 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 a love gift of a, of a meal, but to build intentional relationships with our neighbors. We want to build intentional relationships with our neighbors. And I remember one man talking to me, and he said, man, almost in tears. If you're part of my group, you know what I'm talking about. And he goes, wow, thank you. I can't believe you would come in such a time as this to hand out food. Because food is the most important thing you could give. I said, ah, that's, that's, we're happy to bring you food. But let me tell you about the living water. Let me tell you about the bread of life. If you take him, you'll never hunger again. Not only are we to bring food, we're, t- we're here to advance the message of Jesus Christ to the people. This is why we're there knocking on the doors, handing out food to build a relationship so that we can enter into these conversations about Christ. Verse 16, I want to just get back to verse 16 here. Verse 16 says this, when we serve together, it causes the growth of the body feel the building up of itself in love. How does it cause the growth of the body? Well, number one, going back to this Thanksgiving meal mission, we're looking to evangelize people. How do you help build up the church? We evangelize. We bring more members into the local church. We want the people of our community to join our local church. This is the prevailing message. We like you to become part of us. We invite you to become part of our service. We invite you to become part of our church family. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, but I haven't been church in a while. Well, great, we're down the street. No, we'll come and learn. Evangelism. Builds up the local church. Evangelism. Go and make disciples, the Lord said. Evangelism. Number two. How does serving build up the local church cause the growth of the, of the body? Edification. 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 
That means to build up. Edification. As we ended our time together, Pastor Hugo let me pray and we prayed and we thank God for the opportunity to get into the game. And what do I mean by that? Think about it, church family. We've been reading about God's game plan, discipleship, for the last couple years. We've been studying about God's game plan, discipleship, for a couple years. We've been meeting about discipleship for a couple years. We've been praying about God's game plan of discipleship for a couple years. It's like this. If we're, it's like if you're an athlete, you're training, you're practicing, and then game time comes... I'm not available, coach. What? That's why we do all this, so we could get in the game. I love that opportunity. We thank God for that opportunity to actually live out the Great Commission with our neighbors around our church site. Just like a healthy elbow, all the parts are working together. We had a unified mind as we left the, the church property and we caravan to the site It was wonderful to see. We got to come together from our own personal discipleship worlds to come with a unified effort. And I know we all hopefully are faithfully involved in discipleship efforts in our own lives, in our homes, in our personal lives at work, at school, our teams, so forth and so on. But how wonderful is it when we come together as a team at church here at Evergreen. I was able to see, we're able to see Pastor Hugo exercise spiritual leadership. He read Psalm 117 for us as we sent, he sent us out to the, uh, the mobile park. Steve Chan provided a lot of leadership, including a lot of administration to organize all of us. We had flyers developed by people from our staff. Definitely many gifts of help. People were pushing carts, uh, delivering things in their trucks and vans, and we were all mobilizing to help and serve. Exhorters were encouraging one another. You can see, you just got to watch. Some of us are a little bit nervous. It's okay, it'll be fine. Get up there and knock on the door. <laughs> the evangelists were sharing the gospel. The evangelists were handing out Bibles. The evangelists were saying, hey, come to our church, inviting people. We got to serve, and you know what happened through that? Not only did we hopefully evangelize the elect, we are able to edify one another because we're able to see each other in action. Our hearts are knitted together as we're able to complement and support one another. This is phenomenal. And also, as we got to look into the eyes of our neighbors... Give them hugs, shake their hand, pray for them. I knew the Lord was growing our affection for our local Jerusalem. Love, love. And that's why the third and final point is this. Love is the motivation of bodybuilding. Love is the motivation of bodybuilding. 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Without love, everything is meaningless, We could hand out all the turkeys in the world. We could share the gospel as much as we want. But without love, it's meaningless. Love. Titus 1, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 5 says, "The, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. This is the issue, church family. Love. And and, and Ephesians 4, 16 says this, built for the building up of itself in love, in love. How do we grow more in love? 
stay connected to the head, Jesus Christ. The closer we are to the head, the more we love him. The more we love him, the more we love one another. Let's stay close to the head, church family. Let's help these three that committed themselves to baptism today to stay close and connected to the head. I know that learning more about the head is an eternal journey. We're never going to learn everything about Christ. It's going to be an ongoing thing for, for on in, into eternity. However, there's one foundational truth we need to meditate on is this. Jesus Christ, the head, loves his church. Jesus Christ loves his church so much that he gave himself up for her. Jesus Christ died for his church to bring us into his body. If you're a guest here today, and you know you're not in Christ, you know you don't have this blessing that I'm talking about, won't you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you have done wrong things before God and before man, and that nobody's perfect? Will you give your life to Jesus Christ? Will you believe these testimonies that says that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took God's wrath, the wrath that you and I deserve, and died and rose again on the third day so that you and I could become children of God. Will you commit to this truth? Will you commit to this head, Jesus Christ? If you do, your life will never be the same and today is a new day for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to go over your word. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you love us so much that you would die for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that through your death and resurrection, we could be brought into a love relationship with you, Lord, into your body. Father God, I thank you for this. I pray, Lord, that we will understand you more and we will yield, we'll put off our old head and put on the new head constantly, constantly. We'll be intentional about this. And Father God, I pray you will develop a strong culture of discipleship where we serve one another. And everything that we bring, even our sin and our suffering to one another, will be used to serve one another, to build each other up in love. Lord, you are so good. We thank you for this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.